Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Welcome to Gigabit Nation, broadband talk radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. Now, for those of you who've been following the show for a while know that I often come to the uh, topic of uh, raising money for getting broadband projects underway and so forth. And we've talked about a fair amount about the fundraising aspect, but another element to consider in the equation of how do we afford to bring broadband to our community is looking at co-ops. Uh, cooperatives have been a round for a while, I mean, basically since the turn of the century, since we were bringing uh, electricity in the hard-to-reach places. And more and more communities are starting to tune into the fact that either co-ops that exist, meaning there's a telephone co-op, there's an electric uh, utility co-op, these mechanisms are in place, they're doing well, they're providing services. What would happen if we encourage those co-ops to start offering broadband services? Or what if we created a co-op from scratch specifically to address broadband? And so, you know, with that in mind, you know, I started, to, you know, I put the show together today to really look at the role of co-ops in the broadband equation. How can they help communities move forward? I am uh, broadcasting live from uh, Duluth, Minnesota, for the Blandon Foundation Summit, where I'm here to, uh, to, to keynote tonight and we'll be broadcasting again tomorrow. And uh, yesterday we spoke to uh, um, Mark Erickson, who uh, is running a project out of uh, Sibley County, Minnesota. And today we're going to talk to the, the general manager of one of Minnesota's uh, telephone co-ops, who is... Uh, joining us from uh, CTC, Consolidated Telephone Company, is that right? Yes. And so, um, Eric, Kevin, Kevin Larson, General Manager, thank you for being our guest today, and welcome to Gigabit Nation. And let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about this this co-op thing that you've got going on. Well, first of all, thank you, Craig, for inviting me to be here. Uh, I have attended this Blandon conference <clears throat> for a couple of years and uh, uh, find it interesting. And uh, it doesn't hurt to meet new people and and uh, potentially get new ideas on how to mm -hmm. deliver broadband, of course. So, uh, and that's a large focus of the of the Blandon conference, right? Mm -hmm. The how long they you know how long they've been doing this? No, I, I do not. It's, okay, it, but they've they've had an initiative for a number of years of uh, pushing broadband, and I would say in the vicinity of a half a dozen mm -hmm. or longer years that uh, the Blandon uh, Foundation has been doing this for rural Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk co-op. Now in your case, your co-op has been around for a while. In fact, it was it started with a different name and has evolved. Let's go into a little bit of the history and as you talk about the history of CTC, the trend or the I guess the expansion into offering broadband services and how that came about. Well, Craig, first of all, um due to the the REA uh, Act, um, you know, when they uh, brought uh, electric service back in the 30s mm -hmm. to rural Minnesota, 
I believe it was 1947 is when they expanded it to offer low interest loans and a, and a loan program for telephone companies about 1947. Mm -hmm. Consolidated telephone really is that it was uh, around Brainerd, Minnesota, uh, around about three sides of it, the east and the west side and the south side, mm -hmm. were pretty much all served by farmer owned lines. And because at that time, Northwestern Bell would not build out to those areas. Really? No. And so, um, you know, some of those lines probably had 10 customers on them. Some had 20, some had 100, mm -hmm. but they were basically farmer owned lines. And due to the act of 1947, where they were able to uh, uh, um, borrow money mm -hmm. to rebuild, um, they pulled together a bunch of these farmer-owned lines, pulled together in Brainerd, Minnesota, had a meeting and said, we need to form a co-op. So in 1950, they formed Consolidated Telephone Company. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't begin providing service as Consolidated until uh, 1952, because, or and that's when they rebuilt. But it took two years back then to get a loan mm -hmm. through the government. Mm -hmm. Today, mm -hmm. it still takes two years to get a loan. <laughs> Nothing's changed never, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so, and through the years, they, you know, obviously rebuilt the open wire lines mm -hmm. in the 50s and the 60s, and then they began to uh, bury uh, copper in the, in, in the, in the ground mm -hmm. for many years. And uh, so really, we've been providing service for 60 plus years. Okay. And uh, that's the origination of Consolidated Telephone. And that's quite evident across the United States in those more rural areas. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how did the... Did you just wake up one day and decide that broadband was a good idea to just add on, or was there, you know, like a build-up to eventually going uh, into to broadband? Well, personally, I remember uh, that I was watching the Super Bowl in 1995, and there there was an ad that came on TV, and it said NFL.com at the bottom of the ad, mm -hmm. and we all said, "What is that?" You oh, know, what is that? <laughs> um, I'll back up. I've been in the business for uh, a number of decades, quite honestly, and um, way back in the 80s, companies had intranets right. already. Mm -hmm. In other words, their companies were connected, whether they were in multi-state and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we had mail and, quite honestly, we had instant messaging in, in the 80s and the 90s. But it's really when the uh, internet became more visible in the mid '90s, and we saw that happening, and we said, "Well, we've got to do something because uh, people are asking to mm -hmm. be connected; mm -hmm. they're hearing about it." And so that's, of course, when we, the industry, began developing the dial-up modems mm -hmm. and and that type of technology at that time. So, right, we barely put in modems for 24 baud rate, you know, or 2400 baud rate. Next thing you know, we're, we're up to 96 and pretty soon we're 24,000. And then the next generation was 56K. We thought we cut, you know, we were really cooking when we had 56K a modem. And, uh, and then technology came out that they said, wait a sec, we can do DSL. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm not familiar exactly when cable modems became um, came into the picture, but it was we probably offered our first DSL in 1999 or 2000, mm -hmm. and it just has grown from there. And of course, obviously, the demand for more uh, bandwidth kept evolving, and 
pretty soon we're not calling it DSL. We're, we're, we're migrating the DSL into uh, higher speeds and broadband comes out, the word broadband, and, and as we know it today, uh, we knew that we had to be on that glide path to continually offer that. Mm -hmm. And as you said earlier in your statements, broadband or co-ops, um, usually the mission statement for a co-op is to bring services to their members in which no one else will bring to them. And you have to do that yourself. You don't uh, tend to rely on anybody else doing it for you because nobody will come to those areas. There is no ROI out mm -hmm. there. The, the population isn't there. That doesn't mean that everybody there should move into an urban area. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got natural resources across this country, whether it be our wood or mining, our, our energy sources and our um, food products. I mean, they have to be raised someplace and people need to live in those areas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the Telecom Act of 96 reiterated the Telecom Act of 34 that rural people should have uh, comparable services at reasonable rates. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, um, during the recent FCC order, there's some, there's some, um, I guess, uncertainty that's developed into the industry. Mm -hmm. But that's a whole other story. And right, we'll, we'll come back to that for a little bit. So philosophically then, is it safe to say that if a community has a co-op in one form or another, whether it's a electric co-op, it's a telephone co-op, or so forth, the structure and the philosophy of that organization makes broadband a natural next step. I mean, all, all other things. I mean, you have to take into account that you know you got to make some money from it and so forth and so on. But does it sort of you know, if I had to go to you know, pick one organization, one entity, you know. Would it just make sense to say, well, maybe we should go to the co-op first and talk to them? That is very true because, you know, I grew up in North Dakota, and there's tons of co-ops in North Dakota. And there's and not just telephone co-ops, mm -hmm. not just electric co-ops, but there's buffalo processing or bison processing co-ops. <laughs> there's derm processing, which they make uh, noodles out of. Mm -hmm. Those are, are the philosophy there is, is nobody else is doing that in that area. So mm -hmm. they take themselves by the bootstraps, pick themselves, pull on their boots, and they say, we'll do it ourselves. So you're exactly right. right. If you're there, a co-op is a good vehicle mm -hmm. when no one else will come in to do it for profit. Mm -hmm. And so um, whatever the need is, you've heard of food co-ops, you know, grocery stores that are food co-ops, um, all of these serve a purpose mm -hmm. in a more rural or less dense populated areas. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. So if you just attribute it to this broadband, it is a natural fit. Mm -hmm. yeah, it would be. Now, what kind of thinking process or planning process needs to go into action if, again, we're talking about a co-op that already exists but hasn't offered broadband services? How do you make that transition? Well, let me ask you a question. When when you use the word co-op in that sentence, there, are you talking about it could be a different type of co-op there at that point in time? Right, right, right. right. So okay. I, I'm gonna, today I want to sort of look at two issues. One is you have a co-op of some sort that already exists. Mm -hmm. Telephone co-ops of all the possible are probably the closest aligned because, you know, you know, it's easy to conceive from, well, I'm already offering telephone services, I can offer broadband services. But in general, I'm looking at you have existing co-ops, and then you have, I think, what is just starting to take 
form in a couple of places are co-ops built specifically for broadband. Okay. So what I want to do is, you know, address first the issue of you already have a co-op. What, what, you know, what's the transitional phase? Look well, like? you know, and sometimes I, I hesitate to say these things because people say, well, you're trying to blow smoke. The first thing I want to say about a communications or a telecommunications company, whether it's a co-op, a family-owned, or a CenturyLink, mm -hmm. it truly is extremely complex business. Mm -hmm. It's There's so many things that happen behind the scenes that, that the normal public sees about a communications company. Mm -hmm. First of all, there's the expertise to be able to build the network outside, meaning just plowing cable in correctly, mm -hmm. putting the equipment on the side of the home or business correctly, making sure it's bonded and grounded and, and placed at the right depth. Then you, that's, that's one set of technical skills and technical knowledge. Not just so you're building it right, but also that you're recording it right so you've got records of where your plant is and, and, and where it's placed so that it can be fixed very quickly if you have an outage or whatever. The next thing is, is you, you remember all utilities, we have to locate our facilities if somebody wants mm -hmm. to put a mailbox in. Mm -hmm. And so you have to know where that facility is so that you can locate it. Next, then, okay, let's say you put the fiber in the, the ground. Now you come back to a centralized equipment location. Uh, in there is the electronics, the brains of this. Now it's one thing to have routers and switches for internet. Mm -hmm. But now when you put voice on that, that's the public uh, service telephone network is a whole different animal. Mm. Very complex how you interconnect with your neighbors, mm -hmm. to your state, to the world. And there's so many moving, uh, moving pieces and so much technology there that you just can't say today, you know, we're just going to be a telecommunications company. <laughs> it's not like being a plumber where you buy something, right, right, right. put it in the ground, and sell it. This is very complex because you have to interconnect with the world. Mm -hmm. And um, so you have to have the expertise. But I'll back up. Before that co-op could get into the broadband business, you need to have a champion. Mm -hmm. You need to know your market area, to, first of all. You need to know what is the demand. Mm -hmm. um, not all of us telephone companies do a good job at teaching the uses of it. I mean, that mm -hmm. comes from your schools and your universities and so forth. I mean, we can market the services and help educate people for the usage. But you need to know what your market area is. You need to know what the demand level is. And then you need a champion in that community or in that co-op that says, you know, I want to lead the charge because I believe this is mm -hmm. what, what, mm -hmm. what the community needs. And that champion then needs to have the ability to bring human resources along with you, whether it's other business leaders, it's the community itself, the EDA directors, uh, and so forth. You've got to have somebody that champions, because there's going to be ups and downs in doing mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And when the chips are down on that day, when it looks like this whole thing is collapsing on top of you, you got to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They'll say, no, this is still good for us. It's, it's still got uh, uh, viability. Mm -hmm. And then this champion, if that person or persons are not the ones it's such a capital-intensive business that you need to watch your construction costs. You got to stay in budget. You could, you, if you, if you leave everything to consultants, 
it'll run rapid on you and you will run out of money quicker uh-huh. than you thought you would. Uh-huh. But somebody's got to watch the bank account, somebody's got to watch the construction, and somebody's there's got to be one place where the buck stops that you manage this whole project because they get out of hand so easily because it moves so fast. You get a contractor with a plow and all this equipment and they're charging you twenty, thirty thousand dollars a mile to put stuff in the ground, mm-hmm. you can chew up a lot of dollars very quickly. Mm-hmm. So there's a um so there's a technology discipline not technology discipline, there is a um Industry discipline, yes. uh, that's a part of it. And then there is strong financial management discipline. Absolutely. That's a, char- that's a part of it. And I, I'm happy to hear you talk about marketing because that is the one thing. I, I Starting as a marketing person in technology for many years longer than I've been doing the broadband stuff, you know, is that I, I see the, the failings of good people, even people with good business sense, uh, running a technology business and they run the mechanics of it very well, except for the marketing. And they have no clue or, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I mean, but it's an area that I think people need to have a serious, I guess, self-chat or, or mm-hmm. you know, around the coffee uh, machine chat about what do we do about marketing. Yes. And I, and I would see this a big issue with the smaller companies in particular. Absolutely. It's very important. You know, back when we were to- a total monopoly telephone company, you mm-hmm. served our own little areas. If you moved into our area, you picked up the phone, you only called one place to get service. Right. Days, you know, there's, there's, we, we're, we've got, uh, we've got competition in our, in our old monopoly areas. We've got all the wireless carriers and so forth. But here, you need to have the right person then that also knows the difference between marketing and advertising. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll tell you, 10, 15 years ago, I didn't really know the difference because I'm an operations guy. I came from the technical side. And somebody said, well, you need to market market, and then you need to advertise. I said, well, it's the same. And he said, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and so uh, you need to have the right people doing your marketing. And they may, and if they're good at their job, they'll do both the marketing and the advertising. Mm-hmm. But you're right. That's a key part because... Through that repetition of whatever you're marketing and then what you're advertising is people will learn from that and say, oh, I never thought about it. Uh-huh, I can use uh-huh. that. I can use this broadband for this. I can use it for that. So it's, it's all part of the education process. And, of uh-huh. course, your schools and everything else, they have to have the technology there so they can teach the first, second, third graders and so on of what it can do. And then they take that home and say, mom and dad, why aren't we doing this uh-huh. You know, type thing? And you've got to get a certain amount of grassroots going right uh, to get that process I mean in fact I'm in the middle of a uh, or just the beginning part actually of a needs assessment in uh, Iowa mm-hmm. and um, and you're sort of going through this checklist and putting this work plan together and you know there's a lot of mechanical stuff that's kind of repetitious but then there's a couple of key things that um, even though they are, again, you know, everybody needs to have them, but they are probably more crucial than just the, well, you need to do this for a needs assessment, you need to do the other. But part of this exercise, there needs to be a strong, um, there needs to be a strong marketing component or component developed. And there also has to be a understanding that you have to create or groom certain resources like the champion. Right. You know, like that marketing person who will right. take those reins, you know, and, and even, you know, creating word of mouth is almost like a grooming process. You need to bring a group of folks together who are key people in the community 
and say, you know, we're going to feed them information and we're going to, you know, really bring them into the loop because they're going to be our feet on the street. Exactly. And if I could digress just a little bit mm-hmm. back when, when you're, if you were thinking about starting this communication, telecommunications cooperative, um, you really need, uh, I've run into this over the last 20 years. You'll go to somebody and say, do you have a business plan? Oh, yes, I do. I said, well, let's look at it. And it's really a construction plan. Well, we're uh, going to build uh-huh. out here and we're going to build out here. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's your construction plan. Where's your business plan? Right. Which you factor in the construction, you factor in the capital expense, you factor in the marketing, you factor in the uh, advertising, you factor in human resources. Where mm-hmm. do I need the people and the right people and what departments? I mean, it's it's all inclusive. And you start throwing all those variables into there and and then you tack on the technology um, um, <laughs> criteria. Right. It's it, the confusion can overwhelm somebody at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I don't want to feel like I'm blowing smoke about the complexity of a telecommunication company, but it is complex mm-hmm. when you have to have interconnection agreements with with uh, with CenturyLink or Verizon or AT and T. You got to have interconnection agreements with the wireless people and the landline people. So it just goes. I mean, in a lot of that stuff, you need consultants to help you do that. Mm-hmm. And then the minute you do consultants, you got to make sure you're watching the P's and Q's so that they're not running up the hours on you so right. you're paying for things that you shouldn't be paying for. So Now, is another strategy, you know, following the same lines in general is um, tying in small actual, you know, service providers. If you are a co-op that's not, like, say, your electric co-op. Mm-hmm. Or um, a community decides, you know, our best way forward is to create a co-op. So we're going to go from mm-hmm. scratch. Now you can hire expertise, mm-hmm. obviously, um, or you can partner with folks that have expertise. Right. If you make sure that you've developed the relationship and you structure the relationship via a contract in such a way mm-hmm. that the community ultimately benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, are there thoughts or insights into how you would go, like, for example, down the route of partnering with a ISP, say, if you are a, uh, a different kind of co-op than the telecom co-op? Like, how would you suggest those parties work together so they both benefit? Because they all got to benefit from this whole thing. The first, you're exactly right. The first thing you have to figure or find out is if you both hold some of the same values or the same mission mm-hmm. or vision if you you've got to make sure that you're you're on the same playing field mm-hmm. or you're at least in the same ballpark and because if one is thinking well yeah I'm interested in selling you services but all they can see is dollar signs mm-hmm. cuz we're talking rural here now right 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 yeah and if they're looking at dollar signs it's probably not going to work mm-hmm. it's going to be low margins mm-hmm. and you're right we got to have some positive margins cuz we got to reinvest Electronics only last. We used to put telephone switches in for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. and now we're putting routers and switches in for three to five years. That's a whole different de- uh, depreciation schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, so if I might, um, you've you got to have the same mission or vision mm-hmm. to be able to make something out. You've got to have that at the, at the very base, the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, I could share with you a project that we are partnering with another company mm-hmm. to provide telecommunication services. And um, it's a it's just straight east here, up the 
up the shoreline of, of uh, uh, Lake Superior. And it's the last county in Minnesota, it's called up in the Arrowhead, Cook County. And uh, uh, Arrowhead Electric Cooperative received a stimulus uh, grant and loan money to build fiber in that very far corner, northeast corner of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. if, if you looked around here, there's a lot of rock in northeast Minnesota. Right. It's very rough terrain. Forest and rock and so forth. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. People like to come here and visit. Mm -hmm. People like to build a summer home. Uh, they want to live here. Um, so they're electric co-op. They're uh, 13 or 14 employees. They've got this stimulus to build this. And... Um, but they have no experience in the telecommunications business. Mm -hmm. And they um, came to us and said, would you be interested in doing all the back office mm -hmm. stuff for us? Mm -hmm. Meaning, so when I pick up the phone, there's dial tone. When I turn on the computer on the broadband, there's internet. And uh, it took us, I bet you we visited with them over the course of close to 12 months. Mm -hmm. We do have a service agreement with them. Mm -hmm. We'll probably be testing within the next six weeks, and by next spring, uh, we should be providing services for them. To their customer, they won't even know CTC is producing the dial phone or connecting to the internet to the world, mm -hmm. but that's the type of thing. But we had, both had the same mission vision. I mean, nobody else, no one else would bring that to service mm -hmm. to that area of our state, and they took it on. They're building the fiber. They already had some infrastructure. Seventy-five percent of the fiber is going to be hung on electric poles. You know, so they had infrastructure they could use. So that, that cost less to build that than using a rock and pushing it in type of thing. So I hope I didn't stray. No, 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 not at all. And in fact, we had a question from one of the audience about uh, smart grid and broadband, which, by the way, is going to be a topic I'm going to vote mm -hmm. the show to tomorrow, but you just really, you know, described it. You have that issue, and then actually the partial answer to a question that I've asked a number of people in uh, usually company, which is, why does it seem that um, electric utilities are so reluctant to pursue broadband as part of a smart grid play, and in essence expand their service while strengthening their core electric management business and you know and some of it is a general reluctance in utility companies to move in that area because they don't understand the technology but I think what you're describing is um, they, they they don't understand the technology but also they probably haven't figured out who they could partner with to close the knowledge gap so it's easier to well we'll just with our knitting we'll yep. you know throw some new technology in the current smart grid but we won't go over there because we don't know how to go there Craig, I'd like to make a comment here, and some people will probably brush it off, but in order to make a partnership or a collaboration work, mm -hmm. you've got to develop it into a trust factor, pure and simple. Do you trust the people that you're working with, vice versa? And that doesn't come overnight. Mm -hmm. you, it has to be built. Uh, I, I drove up, uh, one of my staff, I drove up and did a presentation uh, to the board of directors of Arrowhead Electric. Mm -hmm. That was just a step in a direction of them to get to know us, find out what my, our history is, all the way down to what is my 
my history? Where, are my, where is my head in God's likeness? Mm-hmm. Where is the CTT thought process? And then over time, you converse the old trust. So what you're saying is right. That just doesn't happen overnight between anybody. It doesn't happen in memory trust. So you need to, if people are looking at this, um, you know, it, this is an exciting time in our in our country, in our industry with broadband. You know, you can drive it down the highway and your wife can be Googling something on on the iPad or phone and it, it's happening wirelessly. Uh, it's a tremendous amount of data. If you look at our internet usage, it's so a hockey mm-hmm. Phenomenal. And now, you know, 40, 50% of it is Netflix. Right, right, right. Yeah. But still, the usage just continues to grow. The, the the demand for information, the demand for entertainment, mm-hmm. the demand for connectivity continues to grow as a country. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to do these collaborative projects, you got to have the trust first, and then you got to have the knowledge, and you got to make sure you've got all the right pieces in the right place to move forward in, in taking on projects like that. Let me go, actually go back a step. So, if you're in a community, like one of the interesting things with um, with yesterday's show was that we um, we were covering areas that I guess simply hadn't thought about, um, like you know, using a co-op, and then we got into this part of the discussion because um, we were talking about you know there are certain rules that. Pivot municipalities from running or offering te- telecom services. So, so I said, well, you know, wouldn't create I'll work with you. Okay. No worries. And I really, really appreciate it. You bet. You bet. Well, this worked out just fine. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Oh, no problem. I apologize. I, this was the one connection that I, it was the first one I tested to make sure it worked because Denise said that it was critical. For our guests who are still hanging on here, we had a uh, a problem with the um, internet connection. We lost it. It's only uh, oh, a few minutes left in our broadcast time. So what we're going to do is uh, Kevin and I are going to reschedule for another day. We are going to pick up the conversation uh, where we left off. And so um, we uh, I apologize uh, profusely for for this. We've seemed to be having some issues this past week. 
but we will be back on track. I am going to be here tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be online. We're going to be talking about smart grid and broadband and how it, the combination of the two can improve um, responses to emergencies such as Tropical Storm Sandy. On Thursday, we're going to look at um, broadband and its impact on the uh, the election campaign that has just ended. And then Friday, we're going to look at broadband adoption issues, particularly in rural communities. So again, for my guests that are here, please uh, check back and get all the details on our upcoming shows. Uh, we're just basically going to wrap this for the moment, and then we will come back uh, with Kevin and talk about co-ops uh, because we had a lot more. We had a lot more to cover and a lot more valuable knowledge. So we will get it done. So thank you very, very much, and uh, have a great day. We'll talk again soon.